Fanatically Incorrect. Brought to you by us, fans like you, but mostly us. Your fucking fault we're in this trouble. What's this guy's problem? What's my problem? Yeah, I got a fucking problem. I got a big fucking problem. If I know what kind of guy you were, I never would have agreed to work with you. <clears throat> are you gonna bark all day, little doggy? Or are you gonna bite? What was that? In a dark corner of the world, three men will work together to bring you a podcast like no other. This is Fanatically Correct, where the fans, the geeks, and the nerds are always correct. With your host, MSK, Yo Peace, and Omega. So now we'll jump into a, um, a Jamie Foxx performance. Uh, unfortunately, like he normally does in his films, I yeah. feel Leonardo DiCaprio was out of hand. Uh, and Django you, Unchained. You know, um, you say Leonardo. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say Crystal. Samuel. That's just oh, my yeah. opinion. Yes. You know what? Yeah. You know what? I have to. That. Yeah. I'm gonna have to change my answer and go with that, <laughs> that because <laughs> you know what? You know what? Because he's right. Because I'm thinking. Because I always same thing. I go by a scene a lot of times, especially in the Tarantino films. Yeah. And one of the craziest scenes to me was Leonardo DiCaprio's scene at the end there when he went nuts and went right. complete. Leo, yeah. you know, not even Leo. Just he went Al Pacino, but better than Al yeah, Pacino no, was that, in a long that, time. Th- we need yeah. to talk about that yeah. when we yeah. start talking about this. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and and he went off. So I go there, but overall, character in film, especially after just coming off Inglorious Bastards, where he is the villain and a yeah. an yeah. mf of a villain, to then be to me the the bigger hero uh, of the film because I mean, yeah. you know, he's the outsider doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Django right. has to because he's the oppressed, you know, he, right. he's, the, the, he's the victim in, in, in this film and, and trying to, you know, save his girlfriend and all that, but he's just the, the, the outsider just doing the right thing and what a switch from one character to another. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I got to agree with your piece on there. Yeah. With well, you know, you know what actor surprised me in this movie? Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Samuel yeah. Jackson. Course, I was like, wow, that's that awesome. that's a different role for him. Like, that is the most hated Tarantino character he's ever played. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> yes, Jesus. Like, I just want him to Listen, die the whole movie. This like, man was on, a man. this man was a drug dealer, a drug yeah. dealer, right? Yeah, yep. drug dealer, and Jackie yep. Brown, and like, you know what I mean, doing bad things and all that. Yeah, arms. This is yeah, the he most sold arms. Like, yeah, this yeah. is the most hated one for sure, bro. By yeah. far, by for far. sure. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, Django has same thing. So many of the little things. The scene with uh, with uh, Don Johnson and Jonah Hill with the uh, with the hoods and the, like the, the, them trying. To, like, oh my the goodness, that scene is so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. When, they're argue, about, like, when they're talking about when they're talking about putting the sheets on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> Why could you cut bigger eyes on this? Like, come on, man. She's a fucking damn all night working herself to the bone, making these damn masks for you and grateful bastards. <laughs> That's great. That's great. But but, but yeah. uh, me personally watching this movie, I think man, Christoph was just so out there. Um, everyone was good. Everyone had their 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 game on. Everybody's yeah. acting was very high, very over yeah. the top. Not not. I don't want to say over the top. I, I wouldn't I'm say saying over the top like, either. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to say like they were, they were game on. This movie was a very like everybody was showing their skills, and somehow for me, Christoph was just like yeah. still untouchable for me the yeah. whole movie, the whole movie, man. Like, well, see, and he had more screen time. He was, he was the co-main character basically, and yeah, uh, that's the whole thing with with Leo. I just that's my again, like I go back to that's just one of my most. That's like my favorite scene in that film because it's just the, the the impact of it and the performance. Well, talk about and it. Talk about, about it. it. Talk about that scene because people, some people yeah. may not know what happened in no. that scene. Well, yeah, so, I mean, and, and especially at the end of that scene because that's the scene where you know he finds out what's really going on that he right. got bamboozled that yeah. um, they're not who they said they are and all that. So he rises up the price on the deal uh, and, and the whole nine just you know goes nuts. And then, uh, you know, what, what really actually makes that scene is his performance, especially. And apparently he actually broke his hand. I mean, cut yes, his hand did. with the glass. That's, wow. that's exactly, and, and, that's and exactly the scene, what and the scene that's that the scene that's filmed and shown in, in, in the movie is a scene that he performed with his hand actually bleeding. That wasn't in the script is that he got so into it. And when he broke the glass and bled, he kept going. So they kept filming and. All the actors are such good actors. Nobody flinched. No from one it. broke. No one stopped to go again. This wasn't in the script, so you would think anyone, you know, you know, especially you know, you know, uh, any of the characters, especially older. I mean, Leona's one of the younger actors in that scene. Uh, any of the women in the scene, maybe, or you're an offstage hand that somebody would, you know. So even the people off screen, you know, my boom mic guys, camera guys, you would think somebody would have reacted to that. The insurance yep. guy, the insurance <laughs> guy that's standing there, you know, you know the like one safe, of the suits. Safety, yeah. the safety guy. Yeah. Yeah. One of the suits or whatever. Like the fact that nobody reacted and ruined that scene and let it go out so they could actually use that take is so impressive on everybody involved in that scene's yep. uh you know professionalism to get that scene done. But yeah, I mean Leonardo just went off and I haven't seen him go off. Number one, we're not used to seeing him play a villain. You know what I mean? He's Jack right. from Titanic. He always plays for the most part the good guy. Um, you know, even in Gangs in New York, he's a tougher guy. Uh, I mean and you know what's still the, a good the, guy. Still a good yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean the one uh the, the good one was the Scorsese one, uh uh the other one, the the Boston one. Um, the the departed. Same thing. He's still a good guy. You know what I mean. So we're used to seeing yeah. Leo in the in the good guy role, and he's a villain. And like you said, Samuel yeah. Jackson he's awesome. is like a hell of a sidekick villain because yeah. they're both equally as evil. Uh, but the fact that he gets they they close the deal and then this guy shoots him in the face. That's I mean that's what everything about that scene just like completely caught me off guard. Yeah. Everything about that scene. I had a WTF moment at the end of that scene. Like, everything about that yeah. scene, I was just like, damn. So, and then the whole gun scene I, right I after that. Like, it, it, yes. It's, yeah, yeah everything every goes crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's every, a straight yeah, up Western shootout. shootout you know? <laughs> yes. Crazy. In a house. Crazy. <laughs> in house. In house. So, <laughs> but again, crazy. again, I'll go the same thing with Inglorious Bastards and then this is going to be leading into Hateful Eight. But, you know, I'll let you guys say more things about Django. But he has, it's a little over the top. You know what I mean? He, the same thing. He started with the Kill Bill also with the sword fight scene. A lot of gore, big explosions. You know what I mean? Like, not fake Michael Bay action explosions, but just, like, more than probably the scenes required, you know, compared yeah. to the Reservoir Dogs of Pulp Fiction, the Jackie Brown. So, again, it's a good movie. I really enjoy Django. But same thing. is like, ah, I guess this is just going to be Tarantino from now on. Yeah. I didn't feel. And, I didn't I just, feel like that scene was over the top, though. I just felt like if it was, like... A, a better and you guys are more western guys than than yeah. i am i just felt like if it was like a straight up shootout just more fast paced like i didn't i didn't feel like if it was campy 
You get what I'm saying? Well, like, no, yeah, no, no, it's it Westerns, it can't be, be at the But end. it's like, more action yeah. than you're used to, like, a classic Western. Like, like when you heard about right. the, 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 when we did the Western episode, Yo Piece and I both tend to lean towards the more classic, dramatic, Western, right. uh, darker like style the, of the Western. Spaghetti, the spaghetti Westerns. Spaghetti yeah. Westerns, or Unforgiven, even, like, the, you know, because, like, the more simple shootouts, the even Tombstone. It, 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 it's Tombstone. more of, yeah. Tombstone, even and, and even Tombstone is a little bit more campier. Exactly, uh, campy I agree. compared to all yeah. the other movies. Exactly, but, but in other words, we were used to Tombstone being the campiest. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. then, like the remake of the Magnificent Seven, you know, and like Django, these are more over the top Western. Yeah. Oh, may- maybe that's what it is because like you guys are probably Western. more of Western fans. That when you yeah. saw this, it's like, okay, this is this is too it's, much. Yeah, Where, when big. I saw it, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. This is this works for me, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I enjoyed that scene very much. Actually, the the whole shoot up scene that was that was fun to watch. Yeah. No, I, 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 I wouldn't. I didn't. I'm not gonna say I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but it was, it was like the over the top, uh, Tarantino, uh, over the top, um, scenes. There were over the top scenes. A lot of things that were happening on there. I was like, come on, man, come <laughs> yeah. on now. No. I, come I guess on I didn't find now. it campy. You know what I'm saying? Like, Inglorious right, right. Bastard kind of leaned to camp. Um, I didn't feel that way in this one. I just felt like if it, it, it could, yeah, it's a little over the top, but it's not like camp. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> going into finishing off from Hateful Eight, the only good thing about Hateful Eight being what it was, what a different turn to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that then to me went back to his Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction roots, with the exception of when we get into the ending, uh, where he still, that like I was bringing up earlier, Inglorious Bastards. But I was actually very you know i got to see this one in theaters and i've seen it another time since uh with yo piece we saw it together um but i mean i just i i had been a while since i seen a tarantino film in the theaters the last one i'd seen was kill bill one um and since then and i was like very pleasantly surprised It, it was he dialed it back uh he went back to telling a a more simple story um unfortunately that story is based on a true story um, mm-hmm. And the clever thing about that is you have this bad pit in your stomach, and especially with how crazy he went before with Hateful Eight, um, yep. that I already forgot about Inglorious Bastards, and uh, and actually MSK probably been more surprised because he hadn't seen Inglorious Bastards yep. yet. Or did you see it before you saw Once Upon a Time? Oh no, yeah, for sure I saw it before Once Upon. a oh, Time. Okay, so then yeah. okay, so you, I well, saw these in order. So yeah, so it was a little fresher in your in your, in your mind yeah. then. But I had this whole the whole time in the movie. Every once in a while, me and Yopi used to look at each other, and I'm like, "Damn!" And every time they would show, um, you know, Tate and, and you know Sharon Tate, and, and I was like, "Man, I just got this bad feeling that he's gonna show this stuff." Like, you know what yeah, I, mean? yep. I really yep. felt. Yeah. The whole no, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. Go off, and he's gonna show me what I don't want to see, and he's making the characters so you know relatable. I'm so enjoying her, and he's just totally distracting me. And it was a great distraction. Leonardo. Damn uh, hippies. And, uh, and Brad. Oh, my God. I just love it. You freaking hippie. He really hates hippies. <laughs> yeah. um, but does that? I felt that the main story was just a big distraction for, are they going to be the ones that called the cops? Are they the yep. ones who find her? Like, I don't know yep. what's going to be, but I'm like, this is going to be such a bad ending. I feel like after everything I'm enjoying, I'm going to leave this theater pissed. Like, I really had that in the back of my head. Um and before we get into that, I mean, let's get into this, like, what the main story was and, and what was going on. Um, I felt Leo stole the show, but I, I and I said earlier on, on another episode, 
Um, but I'm gonna let you guys get into it as to how you felt about the performances and what uh, um, you enjoyed the most before we get into the whole MSK? ending of the film. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I felt the same way you did, uh, Omega, about that like that feeling like something bad is about to happen because we we know the story about the whole Sharon Tate thing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I kept expecting it. I'm like, man, this is not this is gonna get like really dark soon. And then when they did the switch at the end. I was I was and I had already seen Inglorious Bastards like recently, and I still didn't expect that switch. You I was like, oh, off guard. okay, that's Smart. that's cool. Um, I even had like this weird feeling that uh, uh, Cliff Booth, uh, Brad Pitt's character, I thought he was he, he got that cigarette from the girl, and yeah. I thought that was laced, and I thought he was gonna die, and like it's it, it just I had a bad a feeling it about the lot. ending, and it was a lot. yeah. And then when they switched it up, and it went over the top at the end. By the way, yes, it, but it, it was, went. It, it was went good. in glorious bastards. Like with what? And this is what I liked about it. I felt see like the gore in Hateful Eight. I didn't appreciate, um, but in glorious bastards, I felt myself like, yeah, you know what? Seeing Hitler's head uh, get shot a thousand times into grapefruit. Um, was actually very satisfying so it's and for a good cause. Yeah, and it was the same thing with this. Like, yeah, you know what? I I did. I do like seeing what these what these people really did, and that being turned on them and them suffering over the top. Right, <laughs> over, right. you know what I mean? Like, you know, just like the tour of the living room. That's like one of my. That's like, yeah, man. Me, me and Yo Piece were yelling so much in that theater yeah, during that. That's thing. awesome. But we weren't the only ones. I mean, everyone at theater was like, oh, ah, like I haven't seen that since um, uh, Yo Piece. <coughs> Excuse me. What was that film we saw um, with the first person point of view? Uh, yeah, that was... Hardcore um, Henry. Hardcore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore it, like, Henry. That was another movie where like, you're just like, oh, ah, like the whole... Because like, just so much happened. Yeah. And that scene where like just face is getting mad. like And like and they so deserved it that I have no issues with no, that scene no, being over yep. the top whatsoever. No, it was, but, it was, it was great. And, and the thing is, the whole movie... You kind of feel bad for Leo's character, where he's kind of yes. like this, um, like the, his, his time is done. Dying right? actor. Like he's yeah. he's he's a has been. He even yep. says that he's a has been, and he yep. goes to Italy. Kind of has his own little career there, but he comes back and he's still a has been. And then yep. at the end, it's kind of like a happy ending where he meets Sharon Tate and he's like, "Hey, I'm Sharon Tate. My husband is Roman Polanski." Like you kind of feel like it's yeah. gonna lead him to something bigger. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought it was it was fun. It does go back to the more um, simple story. Like yep. the whole movie is not over the top. It doesn't have no too much craziness in it. Um, but yeah, for me, Leo kind of showed more range. I feel in, the same in his acting. I know Brad Pitt got the award, and a, a lot of people are talking about Brad Pitt, and he's great. His character's no, great. He's really good. Uh, yeah. But. You know, like Omega said, he's Brad Pitt, right? Like, we've yeah. seen this character yeah. from Brad Pitt before. Well, that, that's that's my argument to see. Like, I don't yeah. know Brad Pitt in real life, obviously. Um, and all I know is that the early career of Brad Pitt, a lot of the stuff that he did that was very interesting was, like, uh, California, um, you know, uh, even Seven. He tended to play more of, like, the like the, the more of the uh, scumbag type, you know, character. As early opposed. on. So, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, exactly, early grace. So, like, oh, maybe he's not really, like, a real, because, like, you know, like, Cool World and stuff like that where they're, you know, interview the vampire, they're focusing on his, you know, his good looks and, you know, that, that personality. Um, so I thought maybe he's more like that and he's more down to earth. But then the Brad Pitt we always see in interviews um, and when, you know, he's accepting an award and, you know, when he's like, doing, like it, that seems really close to the character 
he played. So even if that's not who he really is in real life, when we see those interviews stuff like that, he's still constantly playing a very similar character yeah. <laughs> most of the time. So for him, that character um, isn't much of a stretch. And but also like we were saying about it, that the rest of the movie isn't really over the top. Is they were able to build up his character to make the ending scene believable by simply building him up, like the Bruce Lee scene, which I know we're gonna have to talk about now. Um, yeah. And, and before the Bruce Lee scene, I want to mention, because you talk about the, him going to Italy and having a somewhat career there, the Italian director of the Blowtorch movie, uh, the Flamethrower movie, um, is the same name as the Italian director that this guy says he is in Inglorious Bastards. That's awesome. That Brad Pitt says. Wait, yes, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that Brad Pitt says. Rewind that for me. Rewind that for me. Yes. Okay, the Italian director that Brad Pitt says he is and the other guys are the Italian director of the movies. They use a lot of the names from Glorious Bastards of the movies that he was doing in Italy. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character That's when he had funny. a career. So he was connecting the the two films, which That's is funny. already a hint, which is already a hint that he's going to change the ending. These films exist in the same universe, basically. Right. And in that world where it had a happy ending for World War II, well, a happier ending, because, you know, the good guys still won overall. Um, but it, it also has a happy ending in this film, which, again, that was the biggest thing. That I, that was the first thing that just hit me out of nowhere. And I just looked at Yopi's and I'm like, that's why it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. Because he's telling a fairy tale out of a bad story of wouldn't it be nice if this is what had happened. Right. Yep. And, you know, and that just, like, blew my mind. And But going back to the Bruce Lee thing, like, I like how he simply built up Brad Pitt's character to make him this higher-than-life, strong hero-type character by doing subtle things. You know, like, even when he punched that guy, you know, with the changing of the tire, which is a great scene, um, and that guy comes completely off his feet. You know what That's I mean? Like, funny, that that, yeah. that yeah. happens. If you watch enough boxing, that does happen sometimes. It's rare, <laughs> but it does happen. And that is just so funny, the way they shot that, because you just see feet come off the ground. You already know what's happening up above. You know, it's just so well done. And in the Bruce Lee scene, the same thing. He doesn't, you know, that's Bruce Lee was a cocky guy. I, mean, I don't know why everyone got upset about it. He didn't yeah, lose the fight. You know. You know, that's the you know? thing. It's because the movie's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, right? Exactly. And you're it's getting this yeah. fake story. You shouldn't yeah. be getting mad about showing, not. portraying Bruce Lee as a cocky guy. He was a cocky guy. Let's let's yes. just cut it loose. You think that Bruce Lee would not have been cocky if, like, you think he got where he got without being cocky? Of course, of course he was. We've seen interviews, and I'm not talking about movies like uh, the, you know, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and other things, but just interviews you watch him in, and and, and footage of him at like uh, you know conventions of martial arts and stuff like that. He was a cocky guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, he, it's, he, he, he had to be cocky, guys. Like this is the times that we're talking about. Yeah, Look man. at the times that we're talking about. He had to be cocky to get mm-hmm. to make films in America. Period. Yeah. Like, just there's no way around it. He had to be cocky, and he's a small guy and it just, too. Like, and it was he had funny. To have that. It was a funny scene. It was yeah. a playful scene, yeah, and exactly. no one actually won. <laughs> really, yeah. if you look exactly. back at the scene, no one actually. We didn't get won. round. We didn't get. We didn't get round three. And here's the other thing too. They also show, and this is true about Bruce Lee. Also, they show the scene where he's training. Um, you know, Sharon, Sharon Tate. Tate for the mm-hmm. movie, and, and he did that a lot. He trained, you know, he trained with Chuck Norris. He, he did. trained David Carradine, which he trained a lot, a lot of, of stars. He's trained yes, a lot of and, stars in Hollywood, and that's true. Yeah. He was in those circles, 
and and they show that with David Carradine and with uh, you know Karina Abdul Jabbar and stuff like that. And that was because even as cocky as he was, he was you know like he seemed to be a very friendly person and very open of to good relationships. And nobody and nobody's taking that away from him in the, exactly. in the story. And they That's not that. taking that they away. They showed from him. those scenes too. It's also an alternative universe, right? Like it, yeah. it you know, he, even if you don't think he's cocky. Or if it's yeah. like blown yeah, a little bit over proportion, like it's not really him. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's a character. It's Bruce Lee yeah, is a character in this movie. You know, but yeah, it's a great it's, scene. It's it's, it's Batman. It's Batman killing people or Superman yeah. killing people, right? Like, okay, yeah. it's a story they're telling. They just take it for what it is and just go on. Like, my, live my your life. Thing, my favorite thing about that whole segment of that scene is especially like the part when they show, uh, which that's why I had to watch it a second time because I had to go to the bathroom at the moment when they show the scene about did he or didn't he kill the wife. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I missed I that say the yes. first time. That's I so funny. Yes. Yeah, you, you filled yes. me. Yeah, luckily you filled me with that. But what I love about that whole scene because that happened um, in the trailer when they were saying, "Oh, he's a wife killer," all that. Then the fight with Bruce Lee, and, all, and then I just what I love about all of it is at the end he's on the roof remembering this, and he just does like that nod, like yeah, he's like yeah, that, that, that was my fault. That yeah. chuckle, yeah. like yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Because the whole time he thinks that Le- uh, Leo's character it doesn't want to help him out, you know? Yeah, right. right and exactly. then he looks back at it, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll give him that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was my fault. Yeah, he, yeah, there's not much he could do here. But it, but yeah, man, it's just like all that came together, and then Leo's scenes are just like that scene when he loses in the trailer with himself, and he's threatening yeah. to shoot himself when he gets home, like <laughs> just everything about that. And then he lays out like a great performance, and he's like arguing with the little girl, like everything about Leo's character, and like even like when we get into the ending because I talk about it with MSK, I had forgotten for a moment. Because I remember specifically seeing it because he talked about how much he loved that flamethrower and that, no, he's like, I did those stunts because he loved <laughs> yeah, the flamethrower yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, that yeah. He had it. Which, And I remembered which, seeing it. Wait, wait, before you go, uh, before you uh-huh. say that, with the uh-huh. funny part of that of the flamethrower is like when uh-huh. he's asking that guy, hey, can you get like, can it be less hot? And he's like, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> flame <throw>, yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> do you <laughs> mean? <laughs> like, less hot. Like, you mean, I feel the heat is going to be less hot. It's a flamethrower. Yeah, that's a great scene. It is a great scene. But yeah, I remember, and it's going back to that scene, Brad Pitt, Bruce, Lee sequence is that when he goes into the utility room, which is right off the pool, it's there. The flamethrower is there. Yep. Yeah. The wall. You miss it. And, you miss it. And, and, and I remember seeing it, but I forgot about it at that point. And I'm yep. like, that's funny. The I didn't even notice it, man. It. I didn't notice it until I, you told me. I did, but I completely forgot because, and then at the ending, I'm so into the moment. And for the most part, since Brad Pitt is like the tough guy and they really built him up, they really didn't make, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character like a, like a, a wimp. You know what I mean? But yeah. they just didn't show him as he's tough an actor. because they just showed him as an actor. actor. He's yeah. an actor. And then he has this tough, you know, uh, stunt double that he's friends with you like he doesn't need to be tough so when he jumped out of that pool and left i'm like oh this guy went running to go lock himself in the room with the wife or you know whatever and right. then when he came back out with the flamethrower yeah. like oh shit that's right and then he lit her up on fire i was like oh this is crazy. Well, awesome. I, that was such a great scene but man everything uh, to me that and and we can start getting into start wrapping up a little bit um for me that's in my top three that that is with Reservoir Dogs Man. and Pulp Fiction. Well, it's in your top three. Oh, okay. I, yeah. It's I, in my top I'm three. There, I'm there with you, bro. Okay, so what's yes. your order of top three? It's the same movies? Uh, if For me, my order no, is I go... Order. Yeah, my order is I go uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, what about That's you, Yobis? No, mine is, mine is uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, Reservoir Dogs, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. 
That's and now let's see what's the MSK bomb drop. All right, what's so mine name? is Jackie Brown. Um, wow. Eightful eight. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, knew I knew it was going there. The way you build two, you build two, kill it. <laughs> Those are my top three. No, I'm I'm gonna say um, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp oh, Fiction, okay. and this this is gonna be the shocking one to you. Kill Bill Volume One. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, okay. but I can see that because the way you and and that makes sense, and it's good that you explained why you see it as two different films. Because yeah, Kill Bill Volume One by itself. Yeah. is a great film but for me i just you know and we already discussed it i just feel the disconnect from uh without having a part two so but yeah i like once upon a time because even then like i was explaining i prefer the more toned down of films of tarantino kill bill was already him um building up not experimenting yeah. experiment yeah. that, that, well that's yeah, what i like about expressing. volume one it's more of not so much of the story i mean the story is great it yeah it's more of how he shot it of of just like the shots he chose and, and how he put all those stories together with the anime and yeah. the fight scene at the end with the sword. I, like, love, I love that anime. I love that anime. Yeah, that well, anime, that's, was, you know, it's that funny. anime scene was great. Yeah, Natural Born Killers does that and he wrote uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. yeah. He's one yeah. of the writers on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, Oliver Stone, I believe, is who directed and everything. But yeah. um, you, you know that most likely those were notes that he wrote into that because that's his style. Yeah. Uh, and I well, bring he's a that big up. fan of like... Uh, Asian films, you know. He... Yeah. Oh, big time, big yeah. time. Hostile, hostile one and two. Um, I know he was somebody that was fighting to get the rights. And he never did for Old Boy, uh, which we discussed. Um, right. He's a big Sonny Chiba fan, which is um, something I'll mention in the the necessity that it comes into that too. Uh, so yeah, that's very true. He's very into a lot of like uh, Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Taiwanese horror uh, action. Uh, Kung yeah. Fu films. And, and he shows I, I feel like a he's just a big film nerd, right? Like, yeah. even when he talks, you, yeah. you see him, like, right. oh, just yeah. being a nerd he's of, a fan. of cinema. He's a yeah, fan. So. Yeah, he's a fan. He's not just someone, obviously, he's a he's a film school uh, nerd, like you said. He's a film school nerd that studied a lot of uh, other previous films and then international films, you know, so he dips into uh, other uh, uh, industries. But, uh, yeah, man, he's... Yeah. But yeah, that that'd be my pick for for number three, and um, that's good, man. That's yeah. a good. That's a good choice. That's a good it's, choice. It's good that all like all three of us have the top two same movies, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just the so, one that messed it up in the order because that's just who I am. No, I mean I I get it. I just for me it it was Reservoir Dogs first because um, I don't know. I just I I, I guess that's more simple because you is. saw that movie when like, you shouldn't have seen that movie. That's, that's why. Probably, yeah, I, that's I also I, I also saw a movie when I should have seen it, so it's kind of both ways. <laughs> Um, yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Um, I think it's just a, a a simple story told in a way where like it could have been a bigger movie, yeah. and then but they they but you didn't you need know, it. You didn't need. I didn't it, need it. Did, right? Like I didn't, didn't really need it. need it. Yeah. So it was good. I, I, I that's why it's my number one. Uh, Pulp Fiction. I mean, I don't have to explain why Pulp Fiction is my number yeah. two, but yeah, of course. Well, to and, get into the uh, and wait first, one more one more thing ahead. before you get into the thing. Into the into <laughs> the necessity. <laughs> oh man! All right, guys, stop saying that. That's that's bad. So, once upon time, once upon a time in Hollywood, it's actually, I think, the second movie that he actually got to direct, write, and, and produce. produce. Yeah. So yeah. a little, yeah, you know, and he a little was extra. In, yeah. He's always involved too in the casting decisions, and I they they do a lot of good work in that. Yeah. He's always. I th- I think this is the first movie he did with Sony also because he usually does uh, 
uh, Miramax Weinstein production yeah. type. But right, you know, right. Yeah. Everyone's you know getting away that from that right noise. Now. Yeah, everyone's yeah, no, getting no. away from that noise. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. we will not see Weinstein movies, you know, for yeah. forever. No, and this one, and this one yeah. had a lot of surprising small parts. Uh, again, because Uma Thurman, when you had mentioned earlier, uh, her, um, she was in it. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter was in it. Um, the I forget her name now, but the one that was the girlfriend, the main girlfriend at the ranch, uh, was uh, Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. Uh, yeah. Dakota Fanning was in nothing it. like her. I mean, she's just yeah. completely into character. Uh, so yeah, a lot Al, of like Al Pacino just, was in there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, early on yeah. he had that small role. Yeah, uh, the the small part where he's telling basically yeah. uh, Leo that uh, <laughs> that he's the time been. is done, sir. Yeah. Uh, has been. <laughs> And he's trying to bring him back. Now, it's some crazy stuff um, also that uh, the stuff Tarantino might be working on, they might be doing a show of Bounty Law. I heard about that. On, the, for HBO, the, actually, I heard. Yeah. Uh, HBO might be doing a series of Bounty Law, which is the fake series uh, that they had uh, you know, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For, yeah, Rick Dalton's character. Yeah. Um, also, like you said, Kill Bill Volume 3, that is uh, uh, a big-time rumor in the industry. Django Zorro. I actually... Would like to see that, and only actually not especially only if Banderas is playing uh, Zorro, because <laughs> yeah. well, because because the reason is the, the the relationship between Django um and uh, I keep forgetting his name the German um Christoph Waltz because yeah uh, Waltz the 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 relationship that they had and that character is now dead if it's a continuation which I would guess it is because you know Jamie Fox is also older also. Um, I want someone that can, and I think Bandera's version of Zorro could fill that void in that relationship. If I get like a young Zorro or something like that, I don't know if I get that that same vibe that'll work. No, an an older an older um, Zorro would actually work for me as well. I think it would be like that um, that pass on of the torch, like he, it was passed down to him type of deal. Yeah, From, I, I think that yeah. would be that would be the best way to go about it. And and then the other rumor is that he that might no that rumor do. is crazy, that's a crazy rumor. But it's been semi confirmed is that he is in the works to write a script for Star Trek and maybe direct what Star Trek film. Yeah, that's been a rumor what? for a while. That's been a rumor, and for that's a while. been an ongoing rumor. And every time now, whatever that would be, would be crazy, and yeah. I'd actually be interested to see it because that would be very different. I, and, I feel and, like he would bring it more to the old school style of yeah. the first series um with the dialogue with the yeah. dialogue oh, of course and exactly that. yeah he'll, he'll yeah. make it something to that effect but yeah we'll i'd see, like we'll to see. see yeah i like to see him do original series era but a, a new set of characters a new crew and a different ship that's what i would like oh to yeah see i'm him down do. for that so i don't have to try to connect it to anything else and just see him do his thing with that base because i've never yeah. seen him do a sci-fi you know what i mean like this kind of sci-fi uh, so I'd be interested in seeing that, but uh, overall, so um, the nerdcessity, which uh, plays into a lot of things um, that we've brought up earlier, uh, it starts with the Reservoir Dogs. This is a script that he sold, uh, which I believe also was one of the scripts that he sold was um, what I said earlier, uh, um, Natural Born Killers, to make some money so he can bankroll and he could do his own uh, thing to do Reservoir Dogs. Is a film called True Romance. Yep. Um, this is a young Christian Slater is the main main character, uh, which you know from Mr. Robot and you know he's done a lot of Christian Slater's done a lot of work. But we all know Christian Slater. But this is like peaking uh, Christian Slater. The other yeah, thing is this prime. film is nothing 
but well casted. I'll talk about Christopher Walken, Gary Oldman. Man, am I going to get into Gary Oldman in this movie. Um, <laughs> Val Kilmer has a small part. Uh, Chris Penn. Um, Brad Pitt. Actually, Brad Pitt, a small part. Michael Ravenport. Um, one of the best fight scenes to me, it's in my top three all-time fight scenes, is between Patricia Arquette and mm. James Gandolfini, uh, mm-hmm. Tono Soprano himself, because it's such a crazy scene. I mean, everything about this movie is out of hand. Uh, like I said about the Sonny Chiba, there's a whole thing about the Christian Slater's character that he's like a big Sonny Chiba fan as well as Patricia Arquette's character. Um, it's overall, it's an necessity, so I don't want to spoil things. The base storyline, and this is where I can get into Gary Oldman a little bit, and this is peak young Gary Oldman when he was really doing, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and he's just all over the place, you know, just chameleon. like he didn't know what he looked like. He didn't know what he looked like, you know. Come at on, all. come on, come on, come on, come on, chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who you're talking about. Who is this Gary Old? I Gary don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Gordon, come on, Batman. Well, fan. Boomer. He's uh, a boomer. I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. Say <laughs> with that guy. It's you right now. That's how good of a actor he is right now. You just pull off a mask. And you've been it's Gary Oldman you. your whole life. <laughs> Someone meme that, right? That's so that funny. Was great That's meme. one of the best ever. Like, that's how good meme. of an actor yeah. he is. Yeah. It's like you've been him your whole life. <laughs> um, so the base storyline is a regular average guy um, yep. ends up in a situation where he falls in love with a, uh, a woman of the night mm. um, and tries to get her out of the life and pimps, some stuff. Pimps. Some stuff goes really wrong, and that's where we get into Gary Oldman, who plays a Rastafarian wannabe pimp. Pimps! Um, and that's pretty much where everything goes uh, south from there. Um, and from that moment, something puts them in a situation where... And I feel if Tarantino to, did direct this film, it might have been out of order, um, yeah. like Pulp Fiction was. And it probably would have been the top three. And it probably would have yeah, been the top three. For, yeah, sure. For, sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I At love this time? one. Of my favorite, yes. yeah. Yeah. This is one of my all-time favorite films. It, I, I saw this in theaters also. Um, it's not as bad <laughs> as other movies. What the um, heck is going on? I know. You know I, what? I got to go talk to your parents. I know. Seriously, Latin parents. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I, just, I saw this movie actually I think twice in the theaters. Because I saw it a second time was in a dollar theater. Because, uh, you know, it gets there like eight months later or whatnot. And then I've seen it a bunch of times on video. I just want to let you know something, though. You saw Reservoir Dogs a mm-hmm. year earlier than this movie. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. I'm just letting you know. I know. I know. So it's worse. That's what I'm saying. This is a down yeah. tone. I mean, it's a very violent film. But yeah. I'll tell you, even one of the actors was, um, uh, what was his name? He was in Perfect Strangers, Balky. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Bronson Pinochet. Yeah, Pinochet. a totally different character for him. Like, everyone that's in this movie, the scene between Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper is one of the best dialogue, you know, given scenes and performances from two guys going head-to-head um, in a just pure dialogue situation. It just, it's incredible. And, I mean, this film has... I mean everything. It, it's just, and it goes. It gets into like Hollywood drugs. It gets into yep. the, the the Italian mob. I mean, it gets just so much stuff happens on this road from just guy meets girl. I mean, that's basically what the story is: guy meets girl, and guy and girl just trying to be happy together and get away from their previous life. And it's just everything that ensues from there. But it's a Tarantino script. So incredible dialogue. It's, it's been a while. Incredible. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I'm not sure if the wifey has seen it. So. I she'll love gonna, it. Uh, I, I think, think she'll like re- it. Yep. I, I think, think I'm going to go like and it. show her. 
Yeah. Because especially when you see all these actors that are big actors now, like the Brad Pitt, you know, scenes. You're right. like, really? Brad Pitt was doing this thing. You know what I mean? Like you're like, yeah. you're shocked. Like, they got it's him. Very early on too. Well, yeah, welcome to early. Hollywood. You have to start somewhere. Yeah, That's pretty much. Uh, yeah. And then even like the Hollywood director, the the, the 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 he's in recently in that show Hunters. I just recognize. I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's from True Romance. Also, uh, Chris Pendergast. Oh, Tom Sizemore. Uh, it was and that was when he was in the peak of his career. Also, I mean, it's just like so many good actors. Excellent performances, dialogues out of hand. I mean, and the pace of the movie is excellent. It has a very slow beginning, and you kind of feel like, what kind of movie am I about to watch right now? Um, you already know because I'm giving you an advance notice that you're not watching a rom com, but you start <laughs> to get that rom com feeling at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, it sets like, up like it, like it, it, it does, was. <laughs> and then, and then and from that point on, everything after. Drexel, that's a Gary Oldman's opinion. It's just a whole nother movie from that point on. And it's not a halfway mark. It's like, you know, twenty minutes into the movie and then from that point on you're just on a whole and, crazy ride. And if you're if you're into directors, uh this the uh, director is Tony Scott. Yeah. Um and during those times he, he directed things like uh Top Gun, uh let me see, Beverly Hills Cop Two, The Last Boy Scout, Crimson Tie, Enemy yeah, of the this State. Is different. Let's just say it's Men different. Men on Fire Deja vu. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like a very no. you know. And he actually he, and he does it justice. I mean, I and mean, this is it, and this is different. Yeah. Exactly. And this yeah. is different. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that even if Tarantino directed it, I I think it would have been a different film to an extent as far as the way the timing was and all that. But a lot of the actors are actors Tarantino uses. Um. I I think it still would have been just as good. Like this movie is just as good if Tarantino directed it himself. I I think it's still. Uh, it doesn't take away from it, and it's not a Tarantino film, but he wrote the script, so I think it's yep. a great necessity because we wanted to talk about the stuff that he directed and uh, produced and everything, uh, and not hold any of those back as a necessity. So and that's the uh, necessity. Can, can I throw in something else? Yes, go ahead. Just in case you don't know who to- Tony Scott is, mm-hmm. he's actually the brother to Riley Scott. Just, just want to say. Oh, that. figures. Just wanna <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I don't know people that makes know, sense. And directing and stuff. That yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, that's the Nerd Sassy. And like I mentioned earlier, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if you guys have that QT8, the first eight. Um, I think it's on Amazon already to rent. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but that, that'll out. be an int- uh, yeah. interesting watch. I know they talk about interesting things. I saw in an interview that he had actually, that was his real car that they had used in Pulp Fiction. And apparently they stole it. And then like eight years later, he got it back. It's like a whole thing. Like little little tidbits like that. And yeah. Samuel Jackson's in it. And other, you know, um. You know, all the actors. I think Bruce Willis, too. They're, like, interviewing all of them. So it looks, like, interesting to see the road uh, that he took, you know, get, getting working his way up to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But uh, that's a necessity. This might be a volume one, volume two uh, thing. Uh, or maybe MSP not. Does with it. Maybe not. Or maybe just a nice long quarantine. I mean, it's it's tinted quarantine. Oh, man, you need time. Man, you I'm need boring. something to do. Yes. <laughs> you need something to do. Oh yeah, I know, man. Yeah. You try to. No, out. I, I started okay. falling asleep when we started talking about hateful late. To, to yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm people at. could jump. People could jump twenty seconds oh, after that. So man, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, but yeah, death so proof. death proof. There you go. <laughs> <Kurt> Russell. <laughs> so the, we got the Kurt Russell one. Um. It's again. He's off the rails. He's in this direction now of doing things that are different. I feel it's still Tarantino. There's still a lot of that dialogue and and moments yes. and you know trickery that he does in filmmaking. Um, but it's definitely again not the Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, or even the Jackie Brown uh, where he started. But I, I mean, it's a shorter film, which is good because it's part of the Grindhouse um, set, which is with set, Planet. Yep. What is it, Planet Zombie or something like that? Planet. 
something like that. The Robert Rodriguez one, um, which one of my favorite things. Planet and then they Terror. actually made a movie of it. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Planet Terror. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, one of the things that is funny about that is the trailer for Machete, which is a complete joke and spoof. All and those trailers. Made, all those trailers. Were yeah. Great. And but then they made actual movies of Machete because everyone loved those that joke so much uh, that they cashed in on it. Is basically what they did. But yeah, that's the good thing. Death Proof is one of his, well, not one of his, it's his shortest film. If you're not, you know, Four Rooms are not counting as one of his films, but he had a part of that, so that would be the shortest piece of Tarantino you can get. That part this would was be the next thing. That part was crazy yeah. though. Yeah, no, it is. It's a better story. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the it's the best room of the four rooms. Yes, uh, I mean, it is. Close. Uh, there's a close second with Robert Rodriguez's, but uh, same thing. You know what I mean? Uh, so this is yeah, one of his shorter ones. So even if you don't like everything about it, um, it happens so fast for the most part that uh, I mean, how, what's the runtime on Death Proof? Like I, I remember what was it less like an hour, if that. Uh, the runtime of Death Proof, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. 113 minutes. Yeah, it's an hour and 53 really? minutes. Really? Yeah. I don't remember being that long. Yeah, and it actually, really if, it, to it me, it kind of felt that way. Um, I know maybe for you it felt faster. Yeah. Um, for me, the first half of this movie, it's kind of if, it's kind of the opposite of Kill Bill. The first half of this movie is kind of slow and, yeah. you know, yep. they're in that bar scene for like 40 minutes, I swear. It's it's like, all right, like let's get this moving. Once they I get to forward, the I might have fast-forwarded to the bar scene the second time around. I might have. I don't know. I think I did that. That you what? <laughs> you did I, what? You did I think what? I fat. I think I asked. I, I might have accidentally skipped through the bar scene. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> the first that's half movie. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, I, I won't blame you, man. It's it's long, yeah. but once it gets to uh, the scene where he's chasing the the girls in the car. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. with that's Rosario it, Dawson's uh, Yobis's uh, True Love. Oh. Um, oh. That uh, what? Oh, um, what? 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 <laughs> Star Wars, Mandalorian. What? Mandalorian. <laughs> um, yeah, once it gets to the, that part of the movie, I enjoyed it much more because there's more stunt yeah. in it. You know, you get Zoe Bell, who is a stunt coordinator for those type of things. She like she's on the car and they're kind of chasing at. Like yeah. it, it was fun. That was a fun watch. Yeah, I mean, it was the opening scene was the, the the first you know ride where he did a ride with uh, Rose McGowan? Or was yeah, it? and uh, yeah, so you get that like okay, this character's crazy. Yeah, um, well, that's the, the ending of the first half of the of the thing. Of yeah, the, that yeah, part. after that bar scene, exactly. Yeah. And then what's great about the second half is like you weren't expecting that. You know what I mean? Like like you get the you get the vibe that yeah. which is funny because he also took part. Uh, he produced Hostel One and Two. Uh, which is another film that he does is when, when he tries to get his hands in, into like the horror genre, he likes to go in a direction that you normally don't see in horror, but well, slasher actually, the, the slasher concept of the, the survival girl. You know what I mean? The last girl, right. uh, uh, a feeling that, okay, one of these four girls isn't going to make, like you're, you're getting that vibe. Again, we're spoiling everything we're talking about. We're not going to hold stuff back. Um, so you're getting that vibe, like, oh, it's going to get to that point where it's probably going to be, you know, Rosario Dawson, and she's going to be fighting for her survival, whatever, but yeah, it ends up not being that at all. He messed with the wrong group of girls. Yeah, <laughs> for completely pretty opposite of the road. Yeah, the, it, it turned into McGowan. a completely... Yeah. Exactly. And that's what they built you up for, like, oh, you're going to get this guy who's, you know, the the he's the slasher, he's the, you know, the, the, the big horror character, I mean different because he's more of a psychopath and he is like a jason or or, or freddy krueger or something like that but you're just getting that feeling like oh it's gonna be the chase and then you're gonna get and yeah we it starts off as that and then yeah he definitely messed with the wrong group of girls yeah no and that was enjoyable <laughs> yeah. I, that second half of the movie i yeah. did enjoy uh it's that first half that's kind of like 
All right, yeah. man, come on. Let's 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 get this going. I don't know how your piece so, feels about it. So, you know, no, I I I um this is uh, this is this is one of one of those movies that I I I really didn't care too much for it. I didn't go to the movies to see it. I waited I for it to be released. Either. Um, I really, I just was not feeling the trailer at the times. So I nothing was nothing was catch on for me, except Rosario Dawson. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and um, when I did see it, that's pretty much the only reason I saw it was because of Rosario Dawson. To be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even cutting this. I don't want you to cut this. I need. Everybody I'm not cutting anything. No, no, no. So, I'm not cutting anything. That's the only reason I saw it. And the, again, I do agree with you. First half it was like whatever. Second half, I loved and enjoyed it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Tarantino got to direct, write, and produce the movie. If I'm not mistaken, this is, this is probably his first time he did all three in this in the um, in making a movie. Well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that just goes to show you where where the type of movies he was making at the time. Yeah. Um, I just was not feeling too much. Um, Right, it was all downhill from Kill Bill Two for me. Yeah, for, for, for myself, believe it or yeah. not, I I saw it at home video also. I didn't want to see it in the theater, but um, I, I when I, I actually purchased it because I I have I have the whole Tarantino collection. I, I I just you know from Reservoir Dogs on is like I'm buying everything this guy does, and including the Narcissity after the end. Um, and uh, actually at the time I was a bit of actually a, a Rose fan because uh, I liked Jawbreaker. Um, I actually watched Charmed. Uh, the series with my wife, uh, and she was in that series at that time. So I was actually a, a fan of hers, and she was in both films. She was in uh, the the Planet Terror, and she's also right, uh, in right. De- but yeah. she has a small part only in Death Proof. Um, well, not really. It's not small because apparently she has no. a forty five a forty five minute bar scene. conversation. It was probably yeah, ten but, minutes, but it felt like forty five. Yeah, b- b- of the buildup. But uh, so yeah, but yeah, same thing. I, the, 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 of what they were showing, what I was like, ah, and like it, it almost felt. And I think Four Rooms came out more or less uh, a little bit before that, which is probably when Tarantino and Rodriguez started working together. And like you said, from Dust Till Dawn, also. So I'm like, you know what? Dust Till Dawn took me in a completely different direction. Same thing. I know because uh, you know Tarantino didn't have you know everything to do with that, but he played a big part in it as far as, as especially as an actor. Um, well, he wrote I, Dust Till Dawn. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah he yeah. wrote Dust he just didn't to direct. Dawn. He didn't direct. No, he did not direct it. Okay. And he started he like and a, wrote. Yeah, he that was makes like a lot an of executive sense. producer in, in the movie. That makes yeah. a lot of sense because the same thing, the first half of that film is so Tarantino. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's a, that's, a, that's a movie that's like two different movies, except both of them are good. Just like the Full Metal yeah. Jacket. It's the opposite. Actually, both separate films are good are good films and in different ways uh either one could have been its own film and worked great and, he, and actually i think he produced the series too that's on netflix mm-hmm. um of uh dust of dawn yeah. but yeah the, the point is that like same thing i i just felt it was very different and again like you said that's the direction he was going into now with the movies he was at um and before we move on to the next one, because I think it's it's even pushing more to that direction. Uh, anything else you got to say on it, MSK, on Death Proof? No, I think that's about it. <laughs> that's about it for that. But yeah, definitely. Also, I mean, there's not a film here that you is not worth watching. All of them are worth watching. No, nope. no, nope. one of them. Oh, is really? Not. Okay. One of them I is guess not. we're gonna get there. Well, I the think next I, one... I think I, I think I may be. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, getting into uh, Tintin Quarantino. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll start with the first one that uh, really made him. Well, it's actually a cult classic. I don't think it actually. I personally did see it in the theaters. I was way too young to have seen it in the theaters, but I did. Uh, but it was like in a dollar theater, so it was on rerun. So I think it was already on VHS at that point. 
and uh, finally you were young you were too young to watch a movie finally wait yeah. wait 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 I should wait, have seen that movie did you say that you saw that in a, in the dollar theater yes when it came out not when no, it no, came no, out no 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 he was too young like, he was too young when it came like out months later oh, okay months no, no, later no no months wait later. what I, no no I saw wait it wait a minute sir I saw <laughs> it but I was too young so to he was like six but then he turned seven and his parents were like you know what I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time. Oh, Hispanic parents. Oh, Hispanic I know exactly. It's like, yeah, eh, it's about to me por eso, nah, yeah. No nada, no nada. So, but yeah, I tell you one thing. The thing with that film is definitely when I got into high school, and I think that's all of us did. Once you got onto the Tarantino bandwagon, you're just watching it at home over and over again, talking about it with your friends. And uh, Reservoir Dogs is definitely a quotable, uh, conversational piece film. And, uh, I mean, just one example from that is, you know, stuck in the middle with you, I can't ever hear that song without hearing Mr. Blonde. Yeah, you start dancing, right? You start dancing like him? Yeah, yeah, you can't, immediately, (laughs) immediately. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Well, Mr. Blonde, what a great character. Yeah, Michael Madsen, man, he was was awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's actually, I I really, really enjoy that movie. Um, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure about our listeners, uh, how many people have actually watched it. Or appreciate how well of a film that was um, when it was when it was made. Then I mean, I mean t- that's Tarantino's baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, well su- such as baby. From what I understand, I haven't seen, and this is kind of like a pre um, uh, necessity. Is they have a documentary that came out like right after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, which is called The First Eight, uh, and it's about the first eight movies before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that Tarantino made. Uh, but things I know from, you know, things I've read online and from actually, believe it or not, personal uh, family experience. Reservoir Dogs was such his personal baby. I had cousins. Again, I was a kid at the time, but they were, you know, young adults, like in their early 20s. Um, back in the day in, in, you know, in the, in the 305 area, um, they worked at a, a nightclub called Hooligans, which doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. But apparently Chris Penn used to visit uh, that establishment a lot. And he used to go, like, after hours, you know, celebrities. So he would go, they'd shut the doors for him, make a mistake, and, you know, he would talk with the guys, hang out, whatever. And he was actually one of the people bankrolling, him and Harvey Keitel, as well as Quentin himself. Remember, it's a Miramax production, you know, independent film yeah. when it was made at the time. And apparently he had also sold the script, which we'll get into that much later, uh, also to make some money so he could film this low budget you know it's still a low budget film and even then other actors had to front money he had to front money he had to sell another script like he had to do a lot to get to film this movie himself so he could do it the way he wanted Uh, and he is a pretty unconventional you know we've gotten used to his style but it's unconventional in the sense that he does things out of order he does it you know by the name of a character um Mm -hmm. and that's what reservoir dogs really took us and that's one of the more um, I think impactful things the first time you see that movie if you haven't seen another film like that I mean now a lot of people are doing things like that but he was one of the first to do it if not the first and that alone is such a massive entertainment factor and the fact like he does in every film great opening all yeah. dialogue you know at least when I was you know in high school I pretty much memorized that whole opening scene about the you know Madonna like a virgin for the first time and who put into the tip and you know all that yeah. <laughs> incredible back and forth that just these you know slump you know scummy you know mob guys and bank robbers you know jewel thieves actually in this one you know just talking it's just you know it has like that 
Scorsese thing, that Goodfellas type vibe where you're just enjoying that conversation, yeah. that dialogue. So but what, what's different time. about this, actually, going back to when you first saw this movie, since my brother's like about eight years older than me, I actually saw this movie way too way younger than i should have so (laughs) so even as young as i as young as i was i shouldn't have seen it you saw even worse yeah i'm like like, before i was a teenager i I saw this way (laughs) too young but anyways the first the first time i saw it i only remember really um seeing like how it was shot right like like it was very film schooly like very low budget and and later on when I actually started watching more movies and actually paying attention more of the shots and how everything um, is set up. They don't show you the heist, right? So the first time I'm nope. watching this movie, yeah, they show little bits of the heist or like them escaping of the heist. But yeah, yep. like you're watching the movie and it's, it's it feels like a full fledged heist movie, but yep. it's not really. Like when you watch it, it's just pure dialogue. Yeah, it's the one scene they don't show. You don't yeah. get the heat scene. You don't get yeah. the, they never show them in the actual jewelry store stealing the diamonds. They don't. Yeah. They talk about what Mr. Blonde does. They don't show what Mr. Blonde does. You know, yeah. which is actually smart for a filmmaker because from the viewer, you're trying to take different people's words at what happened. Right. You know, right. different I mean, perspectives. Uh, perspective. Exactly. So, yeah. so we're the outside of knowing one particular detail that the, all the other characters are known. That's you know what's going on with Mr. Orange. Uh, but outside of that, we're basically taking like what Mr. White's perspective was of it, what Mr. Pink's perspective was of it, and then what Mr. Blonde's himself's perspective was of it. So right. it, it's interesting in that fact because, like you said, it's a heist film, but then the actual heist itself, you're only getting dialogue on the different perspectives of what went down. Right. You don't actually get to see it, which is also another <laughs> smart trick that he does for the film. So, I mean, it's just, it's just genius. And it, and it makes you laugh a lot. I mean, you know, Tarantino's incredible with dialogue. Yeah. He's really good at writing well, dialogue. What was your favorite scene, the opening? Um, believe it or not, it's the opening is one of my favorite scenes, uh, by far. I, I think, I think that's like, I think that's tied with, um, the bathroom scene. Uh, it, yeah, the, the, the bathroom scene's really good. Um, the cop torturing scene is, I don't, I, it's I not think, my favorite I think scene, that's, but it's an I think, impactful scene. I think scene. that's my favorite scene. Um, not that I'm yeah, a psycho or anything, scene. but no, I, no, it's just an, it's I, different. I really love the shots on that scene. There's so many like there's there's a couple of shots in on that scene that I'm like I'm just as a viewer now I it's even it's even better but watching it then I I there was things there was things intriguing about it and I like a lot of the shots which are one of my favorite ones are the type of the um, on the far side when it's a little blurry yeah you have when he's that, getting off the ear that difference yes yep. I, that is one of my favorite shots on any movies nowadays because of this movie um, yeah, just want to yeah. put that out there yeah no it's very well done but yeah I like the opening scene that I just love the because that's the only scene where you get that there is no other scene in the film other than um, when they're getting their names which is also yeah. one of my other favorite like, my favorite scenes tend to be the ones with as many of the characters together as possible only because you have such a strong cast and such great dialogue and such great performances it's like a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross every time I get that scene with multiple people at once giving me, you know, great performances. And that's what I really enjoyed the most uh, out of that film. So, yeah, the opening scene in the restaurant and the scene, especially, you know, Mr. Pink. He's like, why am I Mr. Pink? And then, yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Yeah. Purple, nah, some other guy on some other job. And Miss Mr. Purple, yeah, Mr. Pink. I, I love all of that. You know, it, it's excellent. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I can't think of a scene that's bad. 
in Reservoir Dogs. No, no, the acting is. I mean, I like I like the way that Tim Roth sets up being the yes. the cop undercover, and yeah. he's yeah. just going through his dialogue like he's re, he's rehearsing who he's gonna be, and that's yeah, how the you, bath. You talking about that bathroom scene? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like he's tell, he's telling yeah, his uh, I, I'm guessing his partner or whatever. He he's explaining to him the cover. He he's talking him through it that way he could rehearse it, and then yeah. it cuts to the actual like bathroom scene that isn't real. And yep. it cuts to him telling that story. Like it's it's great. It, the the way it's it delivered, it it's perfect. See, but you got a that's the thing that's incredible because I, Donnie Brasco came out well after Reservoir Dogs, I believe. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, 97, 98. And, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. And that that was one of the first like um, films to really point out that being undercover is you're being an actor. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they that to actually put like I mean it's obvious that you're acting or whatever, but to really point it out, like listen. You're being an actor, and then he's having to prepare a story, and he's presenting like a stand-up comic is, you know, practicing material. And it's incredible because, like, these, like, you know, crime guys, you know, these these burglars, these these mob guys, you know, all these in the syndicate and all these criminals, they have such personality. It's like you got to really do your part to blend into that, yeah. you know, is, is what basically what they're showing in that scene. So he has to, like, prepare for it like a role in a film. The difference is... If you mess up, there is no second take. You get pulled into the back of a building and shot and buried. You know what I mean? Because yeah. obviously you just found out you're an undercover cop. So the, it's like not only perform a live performance without being able to mess up, you got to sell it to the point where you don't get found out and get yourself killed. So you also got that pressure on it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just such little things. Like maybe a part that most people might find like a little too long or boring would be like when Mr. Blonde gets out of prison. And he meets up with Joe and, and, yeah, and that uh, nice whole, guy, Eddie. Yeah, in the yeah. office, that office but, scene where they're But you talking. need that because yeah. you got to understand that relationship. Right. Because when stuff goes real south at the end, you got to understand why they would put why? their neck out for that psychopath. Yep. You yep. know? All right. So we're going to try something a little different. Um, <laughs> we always try. Ah! And that's, you know how different it is? MSK said it instead of me. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's, that's how different it is. That's different. That I'm not uh, the one who said it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess yeah, we're gonna do. Uh, this is fanatically correct. We're gonna do a spotlight. We're gonna do a spotlight on a uh, particular director. And there you have it, folks. This has been fanatically correct. Until next time, you crazy kids. Signing off. Thank you, Samuel L. Jackson.